You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness, and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness, and physiology right now. In this episode, Dr. Nader sits down with Dr. Aparna Ramaswamy, a representative from the Embassy of India, Washington, D.C., and faculty from Johns Hopkins University to share his thoughts on consciousness and meditation during the summer meditation series titled Learn from the Masters. Dr. Nader, it was such a privilege to interview him. Dr. Nader, of course, is the successor of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, is the head of international TM organizations. He's a medical trained doctor and again, a PhD in neuroscience. And what was so beautiful in my conversations with Dr. Nader, you see the numerous books he's written, the podcast, every one of you has been active throughout this COVID series putting out Facebook live streams, YouTubes. You've been there helping people navigate it. That's been the humbling beauty of it. Talked about how in Hinduism, you have these various texts of Hinduism. You have the Shrutis, you have the Smritis, and how TM is really a Vedic science, not just limited to the Vedas, but even going into the Upavedas, the Darshanas. And in fact, one of Dr. Nader's work is on the Ramayana. So cutting across it, that there were three takeaways I had from the entire TM series with Dr. Nader. One is, and I'm just using the Agnishaktam as one of the examples, it's the sound, the shapta, and the space between the sounds, the unstruck sound, anathanada as we would call. That is the important part of the Vedic recitations, not so much the meaning, which is great, and this is not tremendously theistic in that sense. It talks about one, it talks about consciousness, and that is where Dr. Nader's work comes in bringing together the objectivity that we know and saying TM is a way to subjectively go right into that unified field of transcendental consciousness. And mantras, such as the ones from the Vedas, are simply the vehicle that the mind sits on so it can do its deep dive if you will, into these various fields of consciousness. So Dr. Nader, I hope I paraphrased what you said fine. Please uh, talk to us about what you think you would want people to know about. Namaskar again. It's a great joy and I'm humbled to represent Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and Gurudev Brahmananda Saraswati, who was the Shankaracharya of Jyotirmat, who was the master of Maharishi. And all that I have known and uh, learned and I present actually come from this tradition, from Marishi. Marishi's basic teaching is that Ananda, and we are having Ananda with us, and <laughs> everyone represents Ananda. Ananda is the nature of life. Ananda dhyeva kalvimani bhutani jayanti, anandena jatani jivanti. As we all know, we all come from that and we all live in that and we all go back to that. And so the nature of life is bliss. However, people are not living that bliss. And the reason is they are disconnected from who they really are because they are that infinite, pure, such ananda. 
And yoga is that system which allows the mind to settle down and experience ultimately samadhi as beautifully presented by Dilipji. And that every aspect of yoga, which as in yoga sutras of Patanjali, is Ashtanga Yoga, the eight limbs, Maharishi explains are the limbs, which means not some sequential aspects, but actually the limbs of the yoga. And the limbs, when you pull on one limb, then all the other limbs come along. So if you practice yam, niyam, asanas, pranayam, as we have heard on some of that, then all of the aspects come along. So samadhi comes along, a better mind comes along, better meditation comes along. Ultimately, the highest aspect of yoga is samadhi, because as Patanjali defines, yoga as yoga, chitta vritti nirodha, as beautifully also presented before, which is the settling of the active mind. And that is really the reality of samadhi. Transcendental meditation is a technique that is not actually contemplation or concentration or other aspects of working with the mind, which are very fine and beautiful and part of the yoga, but it's a technique that allows the mind to naturally go back to its own true self, which is ananda. And this ananda is the source of everything, is the one consciousness one pure being that manifests in infinite multiplicity. But our true self, inner self, is that reality of pure being, pure consciousness. So the technique that is given is a technique that allows the mind to turn inward and therefore transcend, actually transcend. Transcending means, in this case, going beyond all the chit, all the vrittis, all the reverberations of the mind, and reaching that pure settled self. In that pure settled self, all the other aspects improve. And that's why we see that people who practice transcendental meditation, they have better behavior. So yam, niyam, better thinking, better behavior, they are less violent, less ahimsa. And these are studied scientifically. They have better physiology, the oxygen consumption is more balanced, the behavior is more balanced, the posture is more balanced, the body's immune system is stronger as researched scientifically. And that means all the limbs of yoga, which include all of these aspects, all are beautiful and you know, can be, should be practiced. But with transcendental meditation, they are all drawn like pulling on one limb and all the others coming along. And that is the basis for strong action and proper action, as explained also in the Vedic tradition and the distillation of the Vedic tradition of all the wisdom of the Veda as present in the teachings of Krishna on the battlefield in the Bhagavad Gita. When Krishna says to Arjuna, Nistrei gunyo bhava, be without the gunas, yoga sta kuru karmani, established in being, established in yoga, established in that state of oneness, now perform action. And now the action is from that level of pure existence, from that level which is in tune with natural law, 
and from that level of ananda, which you are. And so no wonder all the traditions of the world have been saying, know thyself, the kingdom of heaven within you, you seek the kingdom of heaven and all else will be added unto you. So all the traditions have taken from that essence of teaching, which is thousands of years old coming from the Veda, and that is theoretically complete and practically available for every individual to live fullness in life and wholeness of life. Now, this one field of pure silence, one field of unbounded bliss reverberates within himself. And that is how from para pasyanti vaikari come. So they come from that one unbounded ocean reverberating and manifesting as energy and then molecules and then the whole universe. So the reality is consciousness is primary and those reverberations are the reverberations of the laws of nature. And Marshi says, these are the expressions of the Veda. Veda is a cognition by the enlightened individuals, Patanjali, uh, Shankara, uh, all the other seers of the Veda, Madhuchandas, etc. They have in themselves felt the reverberations of the pure silent being, which is our self of everyone, but they are clear in their consciousness and they express this as sound. And these sounds of the yoga are of the Veda are actually what ultimately becomes our body, our physiology and the entire universe. So when we say Vedoham or Aham Brahmasmi, this is literally the reality. And that's what Marshi asked me to research that actually our body is a replica of the Vedic literature and its structure and its function. And there we get the importance of the Vedic sounds. So when the Pandits chant the Vedic sounds, it can be seen to be religious or belief or something, but in reality, it is awakening those laws of nature that create and reestablish proper balance in our physiology and in the environment. So that is why we say Veda is primarily sound and silence, and the meaning is giving an idea about what is happening. So Veda is a science, and as a science, it is for every human being. We are humbled by the great masters and teachers, all of you present here, who come from that tradition, that tradition to which we pay adoration and homage. And we really accept and are honored that every human being is a living Veda, is a reality of Veda. And that is why we accept in our humble nature <laughs> to represent this tradition, even though we seem on the surface as if we don't come from it. But this tradition is open to everyone to use it, use all its technology and its knowledge for the creation of happiness, perfection in life for the individual and society. And thank you all for teaching the Veda in all of its different forms and for the great wisdom from India and our dear Modiji for encouraging that and the embassy and Aparnasji's great blessing to have us all together. Thank you so Namaste. much, Dr. Nader. Please share your thoughts on what are some challenges that we face now to move this forward. 
How can the embassy, how can we as organizers help move this forward? What are some feedback you have for us and where would you like this to go to next, Dr. Nader? I'd like it to be as effective as possible for the world population and therefore make this knowledge available everywhere. And all our colleagues, they have great teachers, they are great teachers in their field. And not that we want in any one of us to sell that one's own practice, but from my own perspective, transcending, transcending, going back to the self is really a very basic, most essential aspect that will help every individual and actually society become better. Because the research has shown that when few people, a certain percentage of people start transcending, we have seen repeatedly that there is a change in the collective awareness of the people. So Nowadays, it's not possible to create great groups coming together, but the more people transcend, the more we have a transformation in the collective consciousness. So we are individuals like individual neurons in a nervous system, but society is billions of neurons. And if they can work in a coherent way, that can change life and society and for the whole world. Now, to work in a coherent way is not just an intellectual aspect. The intellectual aspect is to understand and accept to make a move. What is really important is the actual experience, the actual transformation. So when the individual acknowledges or experiences that peace within, that happiness within, that ananda within, which is ourself, which is what the Veda tells us we are, we are that field, but we are bouncing on the surface, as Dilipji beautifully expressed, like a mind jumping around like a monkey, even this experience often is used. But if we just let the mind settle down and experience that the individual awakens in themselves what they really are, that is pure consciousness, and they awaken this in society. So the ultimate solution is transcendence, transcending. Of course, I'm selling in a way between quotation marks what I know, but I've tried many things and all things are important and effective. But ultimately, I would very much encourage everyone to try this technique and try it for the groups and see the effects on individual and society. So we have to let the people know that this is science. All of what we are talking about is science. It can be checked, analyzed can be researched and the results will be found and the effects are really fantastic for the individual and society. Thank you so much. I look forward to being with you physically when all this is over. Namaste. Namaste Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.